Dabro Plajavit Arkadna by Pusk Crossing Broadcast. I'm brushing up on my Russian now that we've got the Russian Michel. Matty Mishkov is a flyer. We'll talk about that with Ann Sanfilippo coming up at 12.15. Before that, we want to talk about Tobias Harris saying everyone will trade him for a crumble cookie or the casual Sixers fans. We'll get into some arena talk. We might even get into the NFL suspending guys for betting, not on football games, on other sports, but they're in the facility. It's a crazy rule. We'll talk about it all. Let's bring on Kevin Kincaid. There I am. Okay. No pop-up? Good. No, I you know, I froze at the last minute there. I, I made the mistake of opening another Chrome window. Um, froze me up for 30 seconds, but I'm here. I'm flyered up. I got the Chris Pronger jersey that I haven't busted out in, uh, God, at least 10 years now. Right? That's you know, when you know it's real. Drink the pop-off, throw on some Tchaikovsky. Let's just yeah. debate if Beethoven was better or Tchaikovsky was better, and let's just talk about <laughs> Matty Mishkov. Let's not. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. And, and Stan Filippo will be on here. Okay. And we'll take all the flyers we want. Right now, we got to talk about Tobias Harris. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the video. If you haven't yet, I'd go I'd go over to YouTube after you're watching this and watch uh, me and my buddy Craig. We went out to the Cherry Hill Crumble Cookies, bought a 12-pack of cookies for almost $50, and we went around to Sixers fans and we asked them if they would trade Tobias Harris for a crumble cookie, as he alleged uh, in the beginning of the week. Kev, would you trade Tobias Harris for a crumble cookie? <laughs> no, I would not. It was a good video, though. It was one of your better, uh, one of your better videos. I think um, the full quote that Tobias gave in uh, that included the cookie line was actually pretty good. Like the whole context of that was him talking about, like, I guess he was asked about like the comments that his dad made about him being a, being a, what a silent killer, an assassin, assassin. an assassin yeah. score, right? Yeah. An assassin score. And, uh, you know, good plug for his, the company he invests in or that we think he invests in. But, uh, no, to answer the question, no, no, I would not trade Tobias Harris for a crumble cookie. I mean, five years ago, four years ago, when Daryl Morey came in and, you were going into year number two of Al Horford and Tobias Harris. If you could have gotten off the contract for a crumble cookie back then, you probably would have done it, you know, attach a pick to it, but they attach a pick to Horford. So they're always going to just have to sit on that. You know, Tobias is like the easiest discussion ever. made. It's not about him. No the contract. It is, yeah. but I don't think, so that's what I wanted to ask you. Like you've worked around Sixers athletes. You've worked around soccer players, professional athletes before. Like are these guys, do they struggle with, being able to kind of contextualize things as like how fans really feel about them. Is it kind of that 90%, 10% rule where you can read 90% good comments, but you see that one comment and it just eats away at you. Is that kind of like you see with like athletes and stuff since they've been the best at the best at their positions and stuff. They've never really had to answer to anyone. No one's really ever been negative to them because they've been either the best person on their team or at the height of their profession. But then when you get to the NBA, Everyone's just as good as you. Like, what is this with athletes that they just can't realize that, like, we like Toby as a guy, as an individual. We understand he's a good basketball player. It's just that he's not a top five small forward when he's making top five small forward money. Yeah, that's all it really is, man. I mean, and he's smart, too. He knows that. He had his Alec Bohm moment last year, you know, when he said, don't fucking clap. And, you know, then he had some, you know quality, high-level, intelligent things to say about it afterwards. I mean, he's always been a smart guy. I always appreciated him coming to the 
podium or the table after games because he always was well spoken and educated and, and thoughtful and would give you kind of more more than just uh you know your typical player speak and cliches and things like that you would get stuff out of him that was interesting and he so he's smart like he knows that he's just kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place when it comes to what he does on the floor and uh you know what how much money he makes i mean let's be honest man like none of none of us would turn would turn down uh you know, 180 million over five years. And oh, you're kind of, and so, but, but he's smart enough to know what the expectations that come with that. It's like when you're drafted, when you're like a reach, you know, Daniel Jones probably wasn't expecting to go number six overall or whatever it was. Right. So, or whatever he was drafted. In the and first. he'll be scrutinized for this contract. Even scrutin- though, yeah. 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 And yeah. even though it's only like 80 million guaranteed, they can get off it after the first year. That's fine. He'll still be scrutinized for 18 games this year and how long he, he continues. And and if he doesn't perform well, he'll be out of a job and he'll be looking for, for a new one. But I thought Toby made a good point in what he was saying about his dad, where that, that part of the quote where he was talking about what Doc Rivers asked him to do, you know, and yeah. he's the fourth option on offense, not necessarily because he wants to be. Um, you know, and he's guarding the other team's best player and he's being a good soldier and he's doing what he what he's been asked to do. I mean, Typically, you know, the highest paid player on your team is not that utility guy, but that's what he he ended up being. And so I think it reminds me, it's kind of interesting, that whole conversation, because I remember, um, you know, when I have like former players on my union show, I, I like to ask them, like, what's what's one thing that uh, fans don't understand or media don't understand? You would like like for us to try to talk more about it, try to understand better. And a couple of the guys said something to the effect of just because you see us doing something on the floor. Um, you know, maybe we were asked to do something specific, you know, like, for example, like you say, why, why isn't, um, why isn't, um, Joel Embiid posting up on the low block, right? Or maybe the coach has asked him to do something specific, you know, just because we have a perception of what one thing looks like on the floor doesn't mean it necessarily matches up with the game plan or the strategy or what that guy has simply been asked to do, you know? So I think there's probably... I mean, he's a smart guy, Tobias Harris. So it's probably frustration knowing, like, yeah, I make a lot of money. Of course, I was not going to turn it down. Um, you know, this just happens to be my role on this team. And it's more a product of Elton Brand just max than a guy who probably didn't have to be maxed. I think Tobias Harris would be like a fan favorite if he was making 15 million. You know, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, yeah. those are pretty good fourth option numbers. Yeah. 15 points a game. Yeah, I would like him to shoot threes more. But I mean, if he's a, if you, he's your fourth option and he's your no, and he's your fourth guy in the starting lineup, like, and you're getting 15, 17 points a game from him, you know, like I said, let, would rather him shoot uh, at the clip yeah. better from three, rather him shoot more threes. But he does guard the best small forward a lot of times, um, and he's average to above average on on defense and whatnot. It's just like I also don't think his dad is doing him any favors. Well, and he said that too. I mean, he's like, he's like, like my dad's gonna. If you ask him, like, my dad's gonna say that I'm better than Michael Jordan, you know. So he he's got the awareness to at least like understand. You you could yeah. definitely tell in the quote that he like definitely like when that when that podcast came out. I think he said something about like um, that he doesn't want his dad to do stuff in the media. Oh, so he said, but you know, I've also told him, referring to his dad, that as a dad and agent, you know, not to speak for me when it comes to the media. I could just imagine that Liberty Ballers article being written. He's reading it and he's just like, what the fuck, dad? Like, what the fuck? like yeah. now I got to go answer this. They're going to go nuts about this. I'm going to get made fun of on Twitter and stuff about being an assassin scorer. It's going to follow me for the rest of my time in Philadelphia. And it's just, and then we had that thing where the guys from let's go to the phones reported that 
his dad was next to somebody in a restaurant on speakerphone who we presume was Tobias, who was later kind of it was later confirmed that it was Tobias's dad being like, you're going to get traded this year. You're going to get traded. So his dad might just he's not the shyest of guys or, or, or the shyest of individuals and whatnot. And he, he doesn't do Toby any services uh, kind of being out there in the media and, and talking for his son because his only client, I believe, is Tobias and Tobias's two fr- two brothers. And mm-hmm. then there's another guy who's a middle of the road uh, NBA utility guy as well. Well, I mean, Tobias has always shown, you know, I think in that quote and in other quotes that he's had, he's always shown a high level of self-awareness which you don't typically get from all athletes, you know, but it's, it's less like, it's like, cause you always talk about like the cliche of like, we, we all played on some team growing up where the, the co- one of your teammates dads was like the coach or something, you know? So they give them like, what they'd start them in every game or they play in the most minutes or some shit like this. In this case, he's just an agent. So I think like we're, I think like smart Sixers fans, pragmatic Philly sports fans know that like, it's just a dad popping off, you know, like <laughs> of course he's going to, you know, go to bat for his son and speak up for his son and try to try to pump him up a little bit. But Tobias is smart enough and self-aware enough to kind of laugh it off and say, like, you know, it's just my dad being my my dad or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. The comments about like casual fans wanting to trade him. I thought it was funny because Jeff, investor Jeff was saying it's not just casual fans. Like, like diehards want to want to trade him for a for a cookie, too. But the practicality of like giving up a guy who's on the last year of his contract for for nothing right now doesn't make any sense. I mean, if they're not if they get to the trade deadline, they're not doing anything, and you can get something for him or nothing for him. Then you then you then you go to it. But I don't think you have to do anything with with Tobias Harris right right at this very moment. It's like you made it this far, you know. I'm excited. I I do think we're going to get a good Tobias Harris this year. It just feels oh, it's all the ingredients of nobody believes in me. It's the ingredients of final contract. I want to get another one before I'm out of my prime. It's new coach, Nick Nurse. It'll be fun to see how he opens up. Guy who actually can uh, call an offensive game and make adjustments and stuff. I think we're going to get a good Tobias here. I think we're going to see the Tobias Harris apology forms again. I don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs, but I think we are either going to get a good Tobias regular season where he's going to get traded the deadline for something more valuable than we originally thought, mm-hmm. or he's going to be a key piece to this fl- this Sixers team and uh, and will be good for, uh, for the playoffs. I really do. Yeah, I just you know it's funny because we we what did he have like two points in game six? It, um, he, so three of the three of the four games he had single digit points. Shot twenty five percent from three during the Boston series. This is the Boston series I'm talking about. But he also had a pretty couple good games where he had I think he had twenty twenty eight one one night. I think he had nineteen one night mm-hmm. um, in a loss. But uh, you know he can be he can fill it up. Um, not necessarily as like a. I mean nobody's going to confuse Tobias Harris for the second coming of prime Allen Iverson but you know when he gets in a, in a groove and he's able to get those mismatches and kind of back down it, this that's Tobias's strength is like a three four tweener I mean he Nick can bias to the to the foul line corner foul line oh every time every get, time he's backing he dudes the, down and like shooting yeah, over that, top of him yeah. he does though he does the two he does the two dribble back down yeah tries to find somebody can't find anyone fadeaway jumper hits the front of the rim and it's like <laughs> Jesus Christ Tobias yeah, well, and you always get um, that one, one or two plays a game where you get stuffed at the rim, and you know you're like, okay, that so we can cross that off the bingo card for today. But I mean, when he's feeling it, and he's in a groove, like he's backing down, 
smaller threes and he's fast enough to get past bigger fours. You know, I mean, we've seen him score in bunches, but I, I don't know. We haven't seen enough of the ball in his hands in late game playoff situations anyway to know whether he's got like playoff dog in him. He's never going to have it's never going to happen in his hands. No, no. no. So <laughs> like, again, it, it, with the best case, his ceiling on this team is going to be num- is is what third option? Third option, maybe. He's never going to be a second option. He's never going to be. Max, he's having a tough game. He would be the third option. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, as, as Bumpy Jonas comes in with the typical, um, this is what most people say. You know, always good for thirty against a bottom feeder in February. Like Embiid's not playing the second half of a back to back in Orlando, so Tobias goes up and gets like thirty or something. I guess, yeah. But it's just always it, a podium game February when you're right. February when Joel Embiid is sitting out, it's yeah. always you can pencil in a Tobias podium game. Yeah, the Pacers are in town for a home game, and and uh, <laughs> you know Harden's out or something like that, and Embiid only play only played twenty yeah. minutes. We're playing Charlotte for the fifth time in February, which I, ha- I feel like happens every single year. Tobias did have his, I want to say it was like third best. God, it's so hard to look at his basketball reference because he was traded so many times that you have the two years here that you got to combine together. But this year he shot 39% from three mm-hmm. on 4.4 attempts per game. He did have his best three three-point shooting seasons under Doc. I, I am interested to see how Nick Nurse uses him. They were the best three-point shooting team in in the league this year. I mean, what's his face? Tyrese Maxey shot forty three percent. George's Niang shot forty percent. Even Embiid was up to like thirty eight. The number one three They were the number one three-point yeah. shooting team in the league. Can you imagine that with a high high usage MVP who was not a volume three-point shooter, which is which is amazing to me. That's one of the funny storylines of the Sixers season. But let me let me ask you this: They would anybody dispute that the Sixers have? Last year, did they lose to the Celtics because they didn't have enough talent? I don't know. It wasn't I, I, a, in my mind. It wasn't a question of talent. It was a question of playoff dog and and mentality. And you, you know, you, that, you can't measure heart. Like that's the thing that feels so weird when we say like they didn't have enough dog in them. Well, like what's like what's the dog? Like what what is what x plus y y equals mc squared plus oh, right. dog? Like, you can't. Yes, it is a nebulous concept, but we all watched them fucking quit in game seven, right? So, you know, if you tell me, I, I, because I'm trying to talk myself into the idea of them running it back with a different coach, right? I don't think that they need, I don't think that there was anything more that they needed talent wise or roster wise, maybe a better bench piece, but their starters were just as good as the Celtics stars. I don't think there was really a, any gap in talent between those two teams. I think the Celtics had the better mindset and the better mentality and more playoff dog in them. That's that's what I think. I, I see the can, chat. Nurse can impart any of that in yeah. these guys. Then they got a chance to go to the Eastern Conference Finals running it back. I see the chat going off about Miami, alphas, dogs, all that stuff. I understand. Miami also shot an insane clip from three. Like Haywood Highsmith went off in like the second round. And Jimmy Butler was going off. And, you know, um, Tyler Hero gets hurt. They bring in Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent's going off. Uh, Kev- Kevin, not Kevin Martin, um, whatever Martin twin. Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin yeah. going off. They shot an unprecedented amount from three. Also, mm-hmm. I think we can we can finally admit, not finally admit, but admit to ourselves that, um, who's the coach from Miami? Why am I blanking on this? Eric Spolstra. Is yeah. a top five coach in the NBA. Yeah. Like, yes, maybe they had more dogs, but there were some unprecedented numbers that the Miami Heat shot in the playoffs against in every single round. 
I don't so, know like, how you can impart. It's it's a good philosophical question for like a like a sports scientist. You know, get that German chick who was working for the Sixers on the show. We'll ask her. You know, whatever her name was. How do you or can you impart dog into somebody who heretofore has not had any dog in them? Like, can you even do it? Or is it is it like, are you like in a fix? These are the things I ask myself. This is the worst sports conversation. No, I think it's a great conversation. I love these big, like loopy, abstract concepts. Is there anything to believe or can anybody do anything to get to Joel Embiid? Or is the Joel Embiid that we see now going to be the Joel Embiid that we get for the rest of his career? Is the dog in Joel Embiid an English Mastiff or is it a Shih Tzu? 610-632. You could, you could fit a Mastiff in, inside of his frame. You know, it's definitely not a uh, a wiener dog. Um, I agree with Ford. See, Ford says this is good philosophical banter. Um, like my tattoos. Yes, I um, but that's really I don't I can I will I can make that argument. I seriously don't think that the Celtics had had the better. I would say that the rosters were a wash. They had guys like Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum, who I thought Tim Legler said this best in the Sixers thing that he said yesterday on Get Up. He said um, Jason Tatum, he was comparing, he was talking about James Harden, but he was talking about Jason Tatum, who was like one for whatever the hell in game six, one for 15 or 16 or something like that. And then he turned it on and flipped the switch and found it in the fourth quarter. And his point was that James Harden, like when you start a game and you see that James Harden's off, like he's off for the rest of the game. He's not finding himself halfway through it or he's not going to rebound in the fourth quarter. Like James Harden's ceiling is up here and his floor is down here. Jason Tatum comes out and he has a bad shooting game to start. You know that in the fourth quarter, he's going to be able to rally somehow and find it and find what was missing. You know, so so to me, it was less about I never looked at that series and thought like, you know, this, the Sixers need like another piece here. Yes, their bench was not as good as the Boston bench, but I thought they had enough tools to to beat that team. And I thought if those guys showed a little bit more mental fortitude or the coach was a little bit better. OK, you know, because that that's the only way if they run it back, that's the only thing that can be you can hang your hat on that, that you'd be able to hang your hat on. Yeah. 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 What, like, do you think about the, what do you think about the Harden deal? Brian Windhorst is saying two years, probably maybe three years added on uh, a third year added on. Will it be a player option? Will it be a team option? Who knows? But this is what Windhorst said. The indications are that James Harden is going to remain in Philadelphia. I would not say for sure it's a done deal, but those are the indications. And really, it will come down to what sort of contract they negotiate. He can get up to four years. I'm sure Philadelphia with a 33 year old would like it shorter. And that's part of the negotiation. I think the Sixers have been working on in recent weeks. Kevin Kikade, do they sign the deal at Michael Rubens white party this weekend. David Adam in there, Josh Harris there. You know James Harden's going to be there. Is there? Are they doing that again? Is this Michael Rubens' like annual thing where he hangs out with a bunch of rappers who are like 30, 30 years younger than him? I love the party. And he buys his he buys his daughter like a tank. Or uh, <laughs> so it happened. So it happened at last year's white party. Maybe we'll buy Maddie Mishkov a tank. Maddie Mishkov, yeah, yeah. They, um, I'm kind of struggling to juxtapose. I'm, I'm juxtaposing two Sixers thoughts here. Number one, I don't think you win in the playoffs. I don't think you get to the. I don't think you win a ring with James Harden. Yeah, what well, I mean, history but will tell you that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm weighing that against. I also don't think there's any other move that they can make right now that makes them any better than bringing Harden back. So, do you? Are you sealing your fate if you if you accept the the thought that you can't win a title with Harden? 
but maybe you can get to the Eastern Conference Finals versus like, well, who are we going to get Fred Van Vliet and and do what? You know, um, I, I don't I, I can't parse those two. I, I can't I don't know if parse is the right word, but I can't like kind of square that circle because I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think either one of those situations gets you to where you where you need to go. You know, so it's almost like you're picking it's almost like voting. It's like you're picking the lesser of two evils, you know. This kind of goes into my gap year conversation about, okay, you're going to run it back. You're probably going to be a three seed, maybe a two seed, maybe a four seed. You'll be right in right in the mix there. It depends on what Cleveland does, and it depends on uh, what the Knicks do if they uh, if they get any better. Um, or the Heat get Damian Lillard. Um, so I'm kind of like thinking like, hey, do, do they kind of just, hey, you know, give the old college try this year and then hope in 2024 they can sign that max slot without – you know, Tobias Harris's contract taken up. I don't know if they can afford Jalen Brown. He's getting insane money now that he uh, now that he made another all uh, All NBA team, so he's getting the super max right now. I know Clay Thompson's way too old to probably sign. I'm trying to think. Brandon Ingram's out there and stuff. So maybe they give the old college try this year. Not really a gap year, but give Sixers fans something to root for. And maybe you know what? Maybe James Harden's right. Maybe chemistry is all it takes in this league. And 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 them guys playing now three years together, four years, maybe five years by the time his contract is over. Maybe they'll maybe they'll go for it. I don't know. I mean, uh, we can sit here and we can shit on him. We can look at it with James Harden, and 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 he it deserves to be shit on because of his playoff success. He's had very little, and he's never really shown up in the playoffs when it when it mattered. It's just yeah, it'll be interesting. But uh, Kevin, going back to your point, I'm, I read the blog. What do you do? You know, you kind of got to throw your hands up in the air. It's what no, do you do? I mean, you're in this a clear cut. And, and this is the same thing. They didn't have a clear path in 2018, 2019 either. At least they didn't think they did with, with the whole fluidity of the Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons thing. And they ended up you know, maxing out two guys that they shouldn't have maxed out. Right. And that compromised their, their salary cap or their roster build for the next couple of years, you know? So this is really kind of like a similar crossroads here. I just, um, I had a good thought. I felt like I lost it. Oh yeah. The, the talk of the gap year. Yeah. It's um, I can, I, it's just hard for me to stomach as I freeze here again, but I think you can still hear me. Now you're good. Uh, Keep going. The, it's hard for me to like in a pragmatic and a practical sense. Yes. I think a gap year and a reset, the cap kind of year would be very beneficial. It's just like so hard for me to stomach that coming off of a Joel Embiid MVP season when, when his window could slam shut at any moment now, you know, I mean, one more significant injury, he's out for a year or something. And he comes back at age, whatever. And, and before we know it, he's on the wrong side of 30, you know, as an oft injured big, you know? So again, it's like, it, it's, it's funny because I think the whole thing with the Sixers here is just trying to match up various timelines and decide like which ones can be pulled together and made concurrent and, and which ones cannot, you know? And um, I'm trying to talk myself into the idea of them just running it back with the new coach. And be, because I think that that's probably what they're going to do. Um, A lot can happen. Yeah. How did, how did Dick Nurse win his first title? They went and got they went and made a blockbuster trade for Kawhi. They load managed the shit out of him. Yeah, and that's what they'll probably do with with uh, not James Harden with Joel Embiid this year. Yeah, maybe they run into some injuries in the playoffs. Maybe there's a couple bounces that finally go the Sixers' way, and maybe they win a title. I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy to think about, but crazier things have happened. Maybe some team blows up like the San Diego Padres are supposedly right now, and they've got stars on it that they got to get rid of and stuff. And one of them comes to the Sixers. I, I. 
like we, we we're we're in June right now. This is the mo- this is the ultimate June sports conversation. Being like, well, this could happen. This could happen. This could go this way. This could go that way. Yeah, summer's not bad. Summer's like all the hypothetical stuff. You know, yeah. uh, you, they, the radio was asked who's doing the Jalen Hurts. Uh, does he run too much? thing uh you know but i can fill an entire summer doing sixers hypotheticals i can do flyers hypotheticals now man i'm i'm flyered up after last night yeah real, i mean like we had we had ant on is Ant coming on anyway or is he fucking uh and said ant's on a call right now he said he should be at least 10 minutes so we'll probably ballpark him around 12 30 12 35 started up man i can talk hockey even if the flyers fans don't want to you can have the we're having the existential discussion of whether you can be a casual hockey fan or not i would say yes i oh, think i'm, a, I'm dude Call me in June. I'm the biggest yeah. pink hat there is. Unless Manny Mitchkov starts pocketing 60 goals a, a season, yeah. then uh, then I'm a, I'm a casual pink hat guy. I'll see you in June. First off, very basic observation. Like the Flyers w- were in a position where they could make a gamble like this because they're in a straight rebuild. You know, the, the reason he fell a couple spots is just because of the Russia thing. You know, and other teams could not afford to put themselves in the timeline of waiting for a guy who's who's a question mark, quite honestly. Um, but you know, the reports coming out that they wanted that they were even thinking of packaging picks to go up and get them. The fact that they didn't have to do that at all was amazing. That's amazing. I mean, it's almost like, it reminds me a little bit of the Jalen Carter thing. Um, just for the idea of, you know, again, here's, here's a guy who's a prospect who, you know, at one point was considered top two, three. I mean, wasn't Jalen Carter like thought to be. He's going to be number one before number one came out. Yeah. Yeah, Right. You know, so, you know, you do your due diligence on that and you do your background. And in the, in the flyers case, they were in position to take a gamble, but I just, I I just like how, um, you know, it seems like Danny Breyer is being aggressive with this stuff. And, um, you know, I think they traded, didn't they trade up to get back? Yeah, they just traded the- up to get the supposed best uh, goalie prospect at number 51. Oh, so. are they drafting goalkeepers uh, or goalkeepers, goaltenders? Um, they just went back to back on goalies. So yeah, Carter, goalie Hart, Carter Hart may not be long for this world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Goalie factory. Yeah. But again, that, that goes hand in hand with what I was just saying, like aggressive. You know, everybody, you know, two years ago, we thought Carter Hart was the future goal goal tender that this team never had and now like it looks like he could be on his way out i mean so no you spare nobody right um so i thought i thought that was that was my big takeaway because i don't know about you man but um like the flyers used to be like appointment viewing in in our house back way back in the day legion of of doom was always always on even up until the 2000s you know like we had them on all the time and like you like a guy like mishkoff gets people excited and gives you yeah. something to talk about. You know what I mean? It's a whole, remember how much we talked about the process Sixers, even though they were shit. So much fun because they're interesting storylines. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what could this guy become? Or is Dario Saric ever going to arrive? You know, is Mishkov the new Dario Saric? So, yeah. You know, like, and the funny thing is, um, talking to Ant, you know, Danny Briere had his comments and whatnot. Like they, they really do believe what that uh, Mishkov will, will be coming over. Did you, did you hear about those rumors about his dad? I think you said, did you send me that? And I forgot to I read said, it or something. So these are like unconfirmed, but kind of confirmed. There was this French journalist from like 98, three ESPN in like Montreal or something like that. But supposedly I didn't know. I can't believe I didn't know this. Mishkov's dad was found uh, drowned in a, uh, in a Russian uh, lake in like April, like two months before 
the prospect was happening. And and supposedly this this Montreal reporter was like, yeah, you know, Russia's a little tough to uh, to navigate what's real and what's not. But it was supposedly that his dad was trying to get him out of that KHL contract. And then he went missing. And then he was found out dead in a uh, in a lake in Russia. Wild. Yeah, I mean, it's like when we had it was almost this time last year. I think we had Russ Cohen on talking about the Fedotov stuff, and it yeah. was just I, I just remember it was like so hard to get anything. And they don't I, play over there in that Russia. No, no, they don't fuck around. I mean, look at what just happened over there. You had like like uh, rival uh, mercenary groups started mar- marching towards uh, Moscow, Moscow, I guess, and then uh, the the dude from Belarus <laughs> came in and kind of. T- Talked to the front would... door and said, "You know what? We're gonna go back home." <laughs> yeah, is that what happened there? Yeah, I, I I didn't know anything about all that until I started. That was fascinating. By the way, too, it's impossible. As if it was hard enough to get decent um, info out of there to begin with. Elon killed the blue checkmark uh, system on Twitter. Now you don't know who the fuck on Twitter has any kind of like legit legitimacy when it comes to that kind of stuff. I thought the blue checks were as exhausting as anybody else, but in this case, it would be nice to know like who actually works for a real. Yeah, verified out. Yeah, but but crack sports having a blue check mark kind of throws me off sometimes when uh, when Kendrick Perkins is reporting uh, that one guy got, uh, grew from six seven to seven two, and the Warriors are really loving him. Um, I, I just here's my thing with with watching Mishkov. Admittedly, I've watched as many YouTube videos as everybody else on here. I can't claim to know as much about anybody else, but I oh my thing with the Flyers over the last ten years. And this was kind of the theme of the story that I wrote, the column that I wrote for the site today. When was the last time you turned on the Flyers and said, "Man, I can't wait to watch this dude play," or a if I'm going to go out, or if I'm going to go out and buy a jersey, like whose whose jersey am I buying? You know, like Drew. Drew was great, but Drew was a facilitator. Like he could score, but he set up a lot of things, and 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 he yeah. was he was fun to watch that that year that they went to the cup, and and Laviolette said he was the greatest player in the NHL. Like that was an awesome year. But as he grew older and stuff, he would set up more. I'm trying to think. I mean. Uh, Leclerc, Desjardins. Um, well, yeah, I, was, I mean, look, I was too young for Lindros. Inevitably, this is what happens every single time this topic comes up. The Flyers diehards on here, you know, get upset because it, it seems like we're shitting on Claude Giroux, right? And that's not really the the point that I'm trying to make. Like, Flyers diehards are Flyers diehards. Hockey diehards, like they'll tune in and watch who, whoever, whenever, right? But back in the day, before hockey, before the Flyers fell off a little bit and became kind of a niche thing in Philadelphia, I mean, like these guys are just as mainstream as anything else. You had casuals who would turn on the TV every night because they wanted to see what Lindros was going to do. They wanted to see what John LeClaire was going to do. You know, Claude Giroux was a great player. Um, But I always, my, my thought was always like, when you look at the 2010s and you look at like that crop of like guys that we call generational, like Crosby, Ovechkin. Pa- Patrick Kane, Patrick Kane, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon. Claude Giroux had a 102-point season, and him and Jake Voracek had seasons of like 80, 80 points and whatever. It was never about production, but I, I just never looked at Claude Giroux and thought like – I thought he was a superstar. I never looked at him and said he's a generational player. 
I'm pretty Game sure plan. Yager one year went on this point streak, and I actually tuned in for the Yager point streak because he was just scoring oh. goals at an unprecedented clip. And it was just like yeah. this this late 30s, maybe even early 40s guy who had no business just leading the team in goals was just scoring yeah. night after night after night after night. And it was actually really exciting. I remember that actually off the top of my head. I do remember tuning in for Carter Hart, but goalies are tough and everything. And I do remember I, I, I got, you know, I think I think Flyers fans are really tough with the casuals, but I think they should welcome more casuals in. Maybe not talk about your sport you don't listen to their podcast let's talk let's talk about that that's actually a good topic because inevitably what happens is like you know you write something about the flyers or you say something about the flyers and then like you almost get to this like circle with some some flyers fans not all but it's like why don't you guys ever write about the flyers Mm -hmm. and then i write something about the flyers and they say you don't know what the fuck you're talking about for the flyers well that's true but i'm a casual i'm not a i'm not down at the games i'm not anthony different perspective too Exactly. But like people have to realize that at one point the Flyers did pull casual um, fans just like the Sixers or the Phillies or whatever, who like when they were in season and they were good, like people people would watch watch them. You know, no, no four for four Philly sports fan is sitting there watching every Eagles game and like every Flyers game and every Sixers game. Right. It's not it's not going to happen. Like typically we we can probably all agree that, you know, you you're probably going to watch all 17 Eagles games in the playoffs. Right. And then among the Sixers, the Flyers, the Phillies and throw the union in there. Now you probably have like a second favorite or like another team that you're going to focus on, but there's, there's no, nobody is watching 82 Sixers games and 82 Flyers games. It just doesn't I'm getting, happen. I'm getting a lot of fatigue around the, around the fills right now. Exactly. And you can't, you can't gatekeep. I think Flyers fans got to decide one thing. It's like, if you want more people to talk about the sport, if you want to spot on the radio, if you want to bring the Flyers back to where they were 20 some years ago, you have to invite casuals back on the bandwagon because they were largely the ones who pushed it over the edge during the Legion of Doom era. And even in 2001, two, three, when you had Roenick and um, Keith Primo and, and guys, guys like that. And Peter Forsberg came for that one year, two years or whatever it was. Um, the, the flyers, if you gatekeep and it's only for diehards, hockey is only for hockey diehards, then you, you're going to be the fourth team in town, you know, or the, or the fifth, you know? So, so I, so it's like, you can't have it both ways. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if you want us to jump back on, I'll jump back on it. And you had Anthony's inside information. I can write some macro level stuff, but, I, but you either have it or you don't have it. You know, you can't ask for more hockey stuff and then tell people that they don't know what the fuck they're talking about when you do put it out there you know all you have to do is go back to the phillies run i mean we we, we had those conversations all last summer yeah about why they yeah. can't fill the ballpark why they can't do this it's people rather go down the shore people rather do something else than than root for a 500 ball club that hasn't made the playoffs in 11 years and then that world series run came and people were calling it four hours of hell and you know there were some people getting back on the bandwagon there were some people who were diehards that you know invested more in stuff but we all just came together as a community as a city and we just had the time of our lives for uh, an entire month. It was it was amazing, and that's what can happen yeah. when, and that's what did happen when the Flyers went to the Stanley Cup and they had those magical runs coming down 3-0 from the Bruins and winning that series and stuff. Like, well, it's, yeah, it's so much fun. It's 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 so much yeah. fun to include people that want to be a part of it than it is to be like, no, you stand over there because you weren't with me in the and uh, when they drafted Maddie Mitchkov. Yeah, and that those are always myopic too because it's like like when the process sixers you had this like portion of like fucking 17 year olds who were like well you didn't watch tony roten every night you know and now you're watching again like 
Bro, I watched Jason Capono and I watched the 90, like the pre Allen Iverson 90s. So those, we all watched those seven seed teams, and those eight seed teams were terrible. Okay. They were less fun than watching Tony Roten and Hollis Thompson and, yeah. you know, name another Isaiah Cannon uh, during the process years. Yeah. I was watching Clarence Weatherspoon try to do it all when you were like a zygote. You know, so or whatever the correct ter- terminology is, but I always found that to be short-sighted. Yeah, because I mean, we we all, well, I mean, the Flyers were, were just as big as anything from ninety. Uh, when did Lindros start? Ninety two, ninety three, through like that really shitty year that they had in like two thousand five or six or something like that. But even then, then they had Mike Richards and they had Jeff Carter and and Pronger comes in and they go on that run in twenty ten. And then from there, you got what? You got like, you know, Giroux and Voracek alternating going to the playoffs every other year, you know, and that wasn't that wasn't compelling. Right. It, it wasn't. I don't know. No, those guys didn't no, really and, resonate. And, you know. and the boys grow up and then they didn't go to Sea Isle anymore. And then they have their children and everything. So they're not behind the bar yeah. bartending, getting fucked up. No, they're not doing Jason Kelsey stuff. They're not. They're not Joel Embiid playing tennis with Daryl Moore. Yeah. I mean, like, what is what is the Flyers like? Like peripheral stuff that we're writing about or what gets them into mainstream discussion again. There's nothing like Giroux is a good dude, like a great player. He just kind of kept, kept to himself. Right. I mean, like he had some goofy Scott Hart. Right. You, you had the penguin series. Yes. Where they, they where Laviolette wanted to fight um, Dan Bilesma or whatever. And, you know, Scott Hartnell with the viral Hulk Hogan, he had some moments in there, but it wasn't, well, Giroux, you know. Giroux used to throw his fastball a lot, though, when he was growing up. Like the the two broken wrist ping pong picture is yeah. an all timer. Him getting arrested in Canada for slapping the cop's ass that's an all timer. I just yeah. feel like you know. Then you got you got to grow up at one point. You can't be doing that when you you know when you have kids. Those were what, but those were what now? Like 12, 12 years ago or something yeah. like that. I mean, like G was here for a long time. You know, so I mean, those are like the heydays of crossing Broad and Kyle would do all the sea aisle. Stuff and follow, follow like uh, Randy Miller and and uh, you know uh, Sam Carcitti's ex- exploits in in Florida and whatever you know. But the, I mean, the, but the point again is that the Flyers were just as mainstream as anything else, you know. So so you know you, you're gonna, you're going to be at a point now where Flyers fans are going to be in a position to welcome a bunch of people back on. I mean, it's their decision whether they want to gatekeep or not, and you know. Here's a San Filippo update. He's still on the call, hasn't spoken one word. People just keep droning on. We've all been there. We've what call? What kind of call is he talking He's about? He's got 17 jobs. I can't imagine. No, like this is his actual day job. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Job I think I think this is the th- this is probably the theater or his day job or whatever his day job okay. is. I know me and Aunt really don't talk unless it's about yeah. the Flyers and surrounding. Hockey, we got two hockey guys right here to- yeah. talking. About, you know, Dude, we're, we're just talking puck, man. This is run the goalie. All right, remember that. This is run the goalie. <laughs> when you when I was driving back from. Um, from uh YSC last night they uh I was listening because Devon was on 97.5 and um yeah talking Sixers and and his usual stuff but they were cutting in when the Flyers draft picks were made and and when they announced uh Oliver Bonk I like felt like I was gonna spit out my Gatorade because I'm like holy shit is that Radic Bonk's son and yeah sure sure enough it is I, I didn't like I wasn't doing like mock drafts or anything so i didn't know who the hell was available at number 22 or whatever like, oh, shit. Radic, Radic bonk yeah that's a name from from back in the day i don't know how much how much you watched back in the day but i remember that like they played against the ottawa senators in the playoffs like two seasons in a row it's like 2002 and 2003 and the flyers were pretty good back then coming out of like the legion of doom era and they they <laughs> 
Radic Bach was on the Senators, which is why I'm bringing this up. He was on this team with like Daniel Alfredson and Zidane Chara and um, Marion Hosa. And I think like Spezza might have been on that team too. But th- th- this, this playoff series, I'm telling you, was like one of the worst things I've ever watched in Philadelphia sports. I think it kind of got, I don't know if anybody in the chat remembers this, but I think it got overlooked a little bit because I think that was the same year that the Eagles bombed out to Tampa Bay at home the playoffs and had the Joe vicious shit or whatever. Um, but the, the Flyers were like the number two seed and the Senators were like the seventh seed or something like that. And the Flyers won the first game, one nothing in overtime. And then they proceeded to score one goal for the rest of the series. And they lost three nothing, three nothing, three nothing. And then they lost like two to one in overtime. And that, that was it. I think Radic Bonk had like like led the Senators in assists, and but like Daniel Alfredson, I think was like the at main that point player. it's it's worth it being a casual because man, being a diehard Flyers fan and watching your boys only score once for the rest of the series <laughs> and getting bounced by Marion Hosa and Radic Bonk. Well, I think see, and this is what I got to do for exercise purposes is like go back and um, look up, look up some of these teams. But every time I open a new tab, uh, my computer freezes up. I think it's had thirty minutes to load now, so we can look at it, but. They were they won 45 games that year, the 2002 2003 Flyers. Um, let me actually let me go back to the previous season because I think the previous season was better. They won 42 games and then they lost. To, yeah, so the team that lost four to one to the Senators in the first round had Brian Boucher, Donald Brashear, Eric Desjardins, Roman Monic. Uh, Ruslan Fedotenko. I think he scored the overtime goal in the first game. Simone Gagne, John LeClaire was still on the team. Keith Primo. I think two guys were in the C that year. That's what it says here. Mark Recchi, Jeremy Roenick. Yeah, that takes me back. Bundy was on. We should get Bundy on and have him re- recount those. Uh, Bundy's probably got some great stories about just bashing some skulls in. Yeah. But they, 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 yeah, so so after 20 years after the like the worst, that was one of the worst series losses in Philadelphia sports history. Seriously, I I I think like it just got overshadowed probably because uh the Eagles were like starting their their run back then. And it was the year after Iverson took the Sixers to the final. So I think people for people tried to black black out that that flyer. Can we uh can we talk arena? Sure. You wrote this on the site, so I'm going to let you take it. What's going on now with the arena? It seems like Eskin's uh, blabbing off of the mouth again. Yeah. So Howard came out and he t- <laughs> tweeted something to the effect of the Flyers are displacing the Greyhound terminal or moving the forcing the Greyhound terminal to move. Uh, that's not true at all. The Greyhound terminal was set to move, and they had approached the city about uh, asking help in finding a new location for that. You remember when we had uh, Squilla on yep. back in January, we asked him about that and we said, hey, what's what's going on? Because it was our understanding that that was going to leave, that was going to be gone regardless. So f- David Edelman f- uh, respond, quote tweets, Howard and says, fact check, uh, Greyhound notified the city of its intention to move in April of 2022, which is before we were involved in the site. Your sponsor should provide you more accurate info. So Howard has been just railing against the arena for for various reasons over the last couple of months. Some of them are valid. Some of them aren't. This one's not valid because the Greyhound bus terminal was going to move regardless. Yeah. And you're going to ask you, you're going to ask yourself like, okay, putting the back side of the flyers, 
um, arena there. Hey, Craig, too, if you want, you can pull up that YouTube video of the walk around that we did. And I can show everybody exactly where it is. But, you, you know, look, does Chinatown want the arena there? No. But even if, even if the arena fails, there's something's going to go. Something new is going to go where the bus terminal is anyway. So that was kind of the, the point. It, it, it doesn't really matter that the, what the Sixers involvement is because that was going to. to when is the arena decision coming? Because I would like that to happen ASAP because I am tired of this arena talk. I used to be. I don't know. I don't know what I what I am. I don't know if I want it. I don't know if I don't want it. I don't think it affects my life, whether it goes there or whether it doesn't go there. I'll continue to go down to South Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Would it be cool to see that part of Philadelphia get revolutionized? Yeah, it would be cool. But now I'm just at the point where it's like, I just can't stop listening. I, I just can't. I, I got to stop reading Howard Eskin talking about tailgating in the months of January and how <laughs> bad this this arena is when he would let the Eagles build on his own mother's house if it came to it. But the reason there's so much talk about the arena now is because this is the most critical portion of the timeline, like the the months leading up to whether it gets approved or not. I mean, if it does get approved, we're probably going to not, we'll probably do an arena post like every couple months, right? Because there's not going to be that much to talk about. The video you're watching now, if you're on the YouTube, <clears throat> excuse me, is looking across the street from the arena site. So there's a bunch of empty storefronts here. And uh, what, did, like, what did it feel like down there? What did it feel like? Yeah. Just a ra- yeah. this was a random day, what, a Thursday, Wednesday? Yeah, we went down after we um did the flag football game down at Novacare. So Craig and I just came up and um took a walk around the block because we were like, well, let's just go to the actual site and show people like where this is. And you can decide for yourself how it's gonna impact Chinatown or how close it is to Chinatown. You know, you got this big black wall that's like <laughs> temp- temporary wall across the street it, the, on the behind the way we're walking there's a cvs on the corner that's still open and there's something else down here on the corner that is open next next to a shut another shutdown store and then that's the location there, looking at the fashion district across the street from 10th and market and then you see the h&m and the american eagle on the other side and that part's going to stay so the fashion district the mall is still going to be there it's just going to be a smaller version of it and that 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 part across from the H and M is not going to be there, right? That's where they would put the arena on. That's the yeah, that's the part where the arena okay. would go. Yeah, so we're so now we're walking. Yeah, so that part there is where the arena would go, and then the Sky Bridge, everything to the right of it, everything to the east would still be mall. They would just be more then, compact. Like, h- how close is this buttress up to Chinatown? Well, I will show you. So we're walking now uh, north on Tenth Street, and the first. Uh, next the next street after market is filbert so this is like the back end of uh on the left there that's where the amc is that back entrance there and uh the Fil- filbert would disappear like this stretch of filbert she would disappear they would i think the terminology they would strike it from the mm-hmm. uh whatever which they it. tried to do before and get that passed into legislation and then squilla's team passed it through but then supposedly the chinatown legislators found out that they were trying to strike it got it removed from the language people are accusing the sixers uh lawyers of putting that in there squilla yeah. said he didn't see it it went in after blah 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 but i'm letting the yeah they accused them of doing it like sur- surreptitiously or whatever so anyway we're, we're walking past the, the greyhound bus terminals on the left like those concrete blocks on the left <clears throat> and you can see the Chinatown Friendship Arch in the background there. So you're you're walking up to Cuthbert Street here, and that fence you see that tagged fence on the left with the graffiti on it. That that's where that's technically where people are saying Chinatown begins. 
So like when you pan down, you see that mom and pop store right there at 10th and Cuthbert. And then when you pan left, you get the back end of the Greyhound bus terminal and then the, the backside of the arena site there. So, and how close would that come to the new businesses? Would it be going past these buses or would it go right up to that fence? I'm thinking it would probably stop where those buses stop because I, I believe technically we're walking on Cuthbert Street right now, which just kind of you, you can drive through that like little hole underneath the parking garage to the right over there and it comes out under the tunnel near reading terminal market where the uh the chinatown bus i don't know what you guys called it but there's another there's another bus that runs from like philly chinatown to new york chinatown i see, I see that one all the time in jersey yeah. going down to the shore going down cherry hill yeah we used to go up there for concerts it was like 20 bucks or whatever but greyhound oh, great. great rates yeah yeah so I like, guess we're we're walking west now, and then we turn the corner here. So everything that's tagged there on the right—that's the border. That's where it would stop. So the Sixers would acquire everything to the left of where that um, little barricade is there, and then we've got the AMC, the backside of the AMC here, and um, Greyhound on the left. But they can't acquire the whole block of of between Cuthbert and Filbert because there's a huge parking garage and like a like a bridge like a, another sky bridge i think that goes over but that's where it is i mean i think i actually reverse back to the um to the border here again as i'm walking so you can kind of see that it's right up yeah here it is so this 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 is the border right here that's the first like mom and pop shop on 10 and that's the border and then that's where the sixers arena would be so it's gonna be like 15 feet from the chinatown border um and Which we said from the beginning, I mean, it's going to be right the fuck there. It's not. No, it's not in Chinatown, but it's going to be right there. So, yeah, it's going to have some kind of impact, of course. You know, I don't I don't think anybody's naive to to that at all. I just thought it was misleading when people were saying, well, it's Chinatown Arena, Chinatown. Well, it's not technically in Chinatown. Yes, it's going to be right the fuck there. That's going to have some kind of impact on it. So and that's the other corner at 11th and um, Filbert. So figure it out. Yeah. All right. Somebody yeah. figure it out. Somebody bring it up to the legislatures, whatever the hell you have to do, the Congress people, the, the council people, figure it out. Let's get it done. Let's get an answer so we can stop listening to everybody just fight about it. The Inquirer in Chinatown's back pocket, Howard Eskin in Chinatown's back pocket, us supposedly in David Edelman's pocket on his payroll. Um, you know, it's just it's just ridiculous. It's it's so ridiculous. Nobody has Nobody has a different thought. Everyone just keeps writing the same article. That's the annoying thing. Yeah. And look, we just so people know we've reached out to um, Chinatown is being represented by a or has a PR firm that's working with them to help promote some of the stuff they're doing. So we went to the PR firm and said, hey, we'd love to have somebody on the show, multiple people on the show. If they want to come on and, you know, we, we should do it in Chinatown. We should what now? We should do it in Chinatown. I'll go down there. Yeah, why not? Dude, you know, get some Chinese food. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, whatever. We've we've reached out to them, and they said we may be able to get you somebody in July. And we also extended an invitation to Comcast as well. You know, if Hilferty wants to come on and do the same thing that we did with Edelman, we're happy to do that. You know, I mean, we've had the offers out there. You know, so um, you know, come on, Hilferty, come on. Yeah, you're you're dealing with the KHL in Russia right now. We should be a layup. Yeah, yeah. I just think you know it's funny <laughs> because you. Um, all you can really do is extend offers, you know, and if people take you up on it, cool. And if they don't, whatever, but there are good, there are good pro arena arguments and there are bad arena um, or other, there, there are good pro arena arguments and good anti arena arguments, but um, they get, people got to keep it to that instead of just like 
putting putting out stuff that's just like not true i mean that's why we went down to the friggin' site be like okay all the bullshit that you're hearing like just look at it for yourself and you can make your own decision on how close it's going to be and whether you think it's going to impact it or not so hey spoiler alert people i appreciate you coming on if you're looking for ant i don't think ant's gonna make it we got about 10 minutes left of this uh this program it seems like he's still on one of those calls you know that just drones on and on and on during lunchtime when you just all you want to do is just get the lunch and scroll twitter and scroll tiktok and just get off this call because you don't even talk on it we've all been there so i want to talk about one more thing before we get out of here uh according to adam schefter a lot of guys are about to get suspended for gambling uh, we had that punt returner slash cornerback, Isaiah Rogers, who seems to be getting a season-long suspension due to the fact that he gambled on NFL games. Another one came out right before we got on. Titans offensive tackle Nicholas Petit Flair is being suspended six games for violating the NFL's gambling policy. Petit Flair is adamant that he did not bet on NFL games, but he's being suspended for betting on other sports at the workplace. I got to talk to you about this, about this whole gambling policy stuff. I don't think teams, I don't think players should be able to bet on the NFL. There's too much inside information. You should definitely not be able to bet on your own team. But if you, if when you're there, this whole workplace thing, betting that you're getting suspended for, I mm-hmm. think that's crazy. During the season, during the offseason, during OTAs, these guys are always at the facility. If they live in the area, if they're there for minicamp, if they're there for voluntary OTAs or re- recommended OTAs, whatever it's called nowadays, they're getting up in the morning. They're going to practice. They're doing their their prep. They're doing their work on their bodies after. They're probably getting a lift in after. All of a sudden, it's 8 o'clock. Oh, shit, the NBA Finals are on tonight. I've got some disposable income. I'm a millionaire athlete. Why can't I throw 20, 30, 50, 100 dollars on the game? Oh man, I get suspended six games and I lose my paycheck because I was working out in the facilities doing my job and I bet on uh nuggets versus heat. I just think that's ridiculous. I really do think that NFL needs to find out this policy. I would even say I don't know. I, I would say you gotta put a dollar around on it, you know, to get suspended. I mean, there was what there was a report that one guy lost eight million dollars. I have a couple of people who I think in mind that that could have been on the NFL this year in gambling, but they just they, they got to figure this out because I know it hasn't affected the Eagles yet. Shout out to the Eagles, but it could affect the Eagles one day. I mean, sh- what if, you know, what if Landon Dickerson suspended six games because he bet on the NBA finals because he was working out at Novacare at eight o'clock and he couldn't get it uh, and his workout was going until 10 o'clock and he wanted to get a bet in before. Yeah. Where football was playing or something like that. And he's going through me. Yeah. Well, we haven't had. Yeah, it's funny, too, because you thought like, hey, when betting became legal over here, you're going to have like a big like match fixing scandal. Um, so far, that really hasn't happened yet. Um, but they I mean, that happens overseas all the time, like soccer, like they find a bunch of dudes in Italy who fucking throw a game or, or something like that. Or the refs are in on the action. But I don't, I don't really see the issue with, uh, you know, if you yeah, have Jason Kelsey's like working overtime at Novacare complex and he's watching, um, I don't know, like the, the Padres Cincinnati and, versus temple. Yeah. I mean like, what's a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then what's a, uh, I, I don't see a problem with him throwing a, throwing a fiver on something there. I mean, I, maybe their thought is just like, Hey, we want to just, we don't want to encourage the behavior at all because maybe it will lead to, uh, you know, maybe just gambling on anything at all will will push these guys to a point where they may start trying to bet on their own shit. Maybe it's just maybe they think it's a slippery slope kind of. Okay, then don't invest like, billions of dollars into gambling technology no. and take all the all the sponsorship monies and just put it all over the place mm-hmm. in all of all of your stadiums and build sports books like they're doing in the commie stadium, uh, like there and stuff. Then don't do that. If you're if you're that worried about this yeah. this gambling taking on a life of its own. Then don't take the money. If I was worried about our our student our student athletes or our athletes drinking, becoming addicted to alcohol, 
then I wouldn't I wouldn't put Bud Light all around the uh, all around the complex. So, it's, a good point. it's a good point. It does reek a little bit of the do as I say and not as I do thing here. This would this would be like Ozzy Osbourne telling you not to do drugs. You know, yeah. you know, not not saying that like they can't enter into these like partnerships and sponsorships with people, but uh, you know. I mean, Budweiser has been plastered all over the NFL for years, you know, cigarette commercials and all this stuff. So, you know, gambling, gambling is, is one vice, I guess maybe the difference that they see between, you know, alcohol and cigarettes and shit like that is you harm yourself versus like compromising the integrity of the game. But, you know, it's why you have some kind of framework in place. I think that goes a little too far. Yeah, I don't know what the future is. I just don't think taking millions of dollars from people because they gambled a little bit on other games is a uh, is a healthy precedent to set. Well, and then you always get into the thing, too, of like the punishments look whack. Like somebody gets suspended for a year for gambling, but they beat their wife and they're out like, what, six games or something like that. You know, and then what kind of message are you sending then? You know, so it's like the NBA, too. It's like in the NBA, everything's like a $50,000 fine. You know, it just looks Mm -hmm. funny because like some guy you know, hits his kid with a belt or something. That's the same fine for like a dude who made a comment about, um, you know, a, a sponsor or something, you know, it's, it's, it's just funny because it's like the lack of, uh, congru- congruid, congruity, congruity, the lack yeah. of things that are congruent. Yeah. That's why I never became a professional athlete. Cause I wouldn't be able to gamble. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, diverted your career path instead. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Ford Carter said Hart. congruency. Yeah, not congruity. Thank you, Ford. Carter uh, Carter Hart, everyone, he's trending right now. Everyone thinks he's packing his bags now that they selected two goalies and they have mm. uh, Earth on already and they signed that back up. And we talked to Ann on, uh, on Tuesday. He won't be getting um, traded until the end of July at, at the earliest because they still have to get the Hockey Canada rape trial investigation under control. Yeah, the um, reporters are very hesitant to say much in in regard to that. I don't blame them, quite honestly, because that could turn into a Matt Ariza very quickly, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's going to start suing people and everything. That'll yeah. be interesting. Hey, Craig, bring that up. I just, I just uh, sent you a, a tweet. Uh, what do you think of the whole Kelsey brothers down at uh, Ocean Drive? I feel like I didn't see as much stuff as I usually do down there and stuff, but it was mostly just drinking and whatnot. Yeah. Um, did you see Seltzer? Seltzer versus the big guy. <laughs> I feel bad for Seltzer, honestly. No, uh, no, 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 know- no, I don't. I don't. He talked. He he talked some some shit, and he said, "Yeah, I'm a really good chugger." Mm. And then this is my fault. ESP, the old carnival barker, came out and was like, "I've seen James Seltzer's tr- chug. He can beat Jason Kelsey." He got molly whopped. He only he not only got molly whopped. There was a lot of spillage. Like, listen, I'm don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm taking but, down. But the look stein. at that. But look at that. I mean, Kelsey would have beaten anybody in in yeah. the world. With, but with that's that, fine. Right? But the shit talking that was going on in the ESP being like, yeah, he can he can beat Jason Kelsey and not even coming close. I mean, Seltzer might still be drinking. Seltzer got a little bit of redemption later because I saw a video where they were playing flip cup and Team WIP beat Team uh, Drinking. And then Dallas Goddard flipped uh, both all the WIP guys, the bird. Now, listen, man, Seltzer's got a young kid uh, in the house and wakes up at what, like 2 a.m. every morning to go do that show. I thought the dad bod gave him a little bit of an advantage there, but uh, apparently not. But everybody would have lost to Kelsey there. So, you know, but not everybody would have talked as much shit as uh, ESP and Seltzer did. That's all I'm saying, you know. 
there's yeah. they threw they threw out a you know if I if I took all my money and put it on seltzer because of the uh you know the Eagles beat reporter who said hey the Eagles are gonna go and dominate you know the St. Louis yeah. Rams spreads minus eight they're gonna beat them by two touchdowns and I took all my money and now I'm living out on the street I'd have to blame ESP just like I'd have to blame ESP for this chug. I'm sorry. Yeah. Rules are rules. Well, it's about that time, you know, it's almost time for training camp tweets. So maybe I'll take vacation during that week. Yeah. You got anything else? Not really. No. I think we did anything a good else? job without Ant. You know. We're yeah. not relying on Ant. We're too we're too uh hockey guys here. I do gotta say one thing. Cherry Hill, bad sports city. Very bad sports city. But that isn't there some irony in there and like there you to find the closest crumble cookies. They, they don't even have one in Philly. Everybody in Philly gets a free crumble cookie, but there are no crumble cookies in Philly. You have to, go to Wynwood, you have to go to Jenkintown, you gotta go to Cherry Hill, you gotta go to the main line. Like that's that's such a main line thing to do. Hey, our cookie company out here on the main line, everybody in Philly, come to us because we are a part of Philly, like every Vonova person thinks they are in Vonova themselves. Right. We just bought Cabrini, by the way. That sucks. Cabrini so, kids two months before they got to go back to school or yeah. without a school. Congrats. You're now a Villanova student. Yeah. Is I Cabrini a Philadelphia them. school? I thought they would just merge them. It turns well, they out should, they should buy Eastern too. And they should buy uh, the military Academy, right? Aren't they on the three of those like two minutes away from each other or like on the same road or something? I don't know anything about the military Academy, but, but uh, yeah. good for Villanova. I forge military. Academy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Look at the site. There's nothing really much else to talk about. Jalen Hurts is the uh, odds-on favorite. Not odds-on favorite, but he's got the most percentage of uh, uh, NFL bets for the MVP. He had that same last year as 40 to 1. 12 to 1. Pretty good juice on him. If he comes out and he wins, and I found this out, the 10 of the last, eight of the last 10 MVP winners, 10 of them were all quarterbacks, but Mm -hmm. eight of the last 10 were number one seeds in uh in their respective conferences so if if you look at this schedule and i think they do start five and now going into the, the jets game if he wins 12 games 12 to 14 games and they get the number one seed i can't see there not being a uh a banquet with uh with jalen hurts raising up the uh the mvp award i have one final point a very quick union point i will make <laughs> they only got one dude into the all-star game this this year they have the third most, third best points per game in the league. They they are again one of the best teams in the league. I think they have union fatigue, Kyle. They're sick of just putting a bunch of union dudes in the All Star game every year. Wow. So this was like a Jokic and Bead thing. They just put a bunch of other people in there instead of giving it to the union guys. So. Has there been a lot of union guys in previous All Star games? They've been getting like three in, which is pretty good because there's a ton of teams in the league now. So, but I mean, they have like the defending. They have like the defender of the year. They have the goalkeeper of the year. They have the best left back in the league. None of those guys made made the all-star game. They gave it to a first-time guy instead. It, it reminded me of the Jokic and Bede thing. It's like, we've given these union guys enough all-star uh, nods, so we're going to give it to some other motherfucker. Who, who made it? Jose Martinez. Okay, it wasn't like Blake. Blake didn't make it? No, Blake, Glessness, uh, Wagner didn't make Peranta it. Peranta didn't make it? I, when I was there, he had like two goals, three goals maybe. He was he can be a snub. You could argue for him being a snub. Elliot Shore Parks, your guy argued that uh Julian Carranza is a top ten Philly athlete right now. Okay. Right up there he with also Mitch said Jones. James Seltzer was gonna dust Jason Kelsey in a chug off. So <laughs> yeah. Right now for the next 24, 48 hours, maybe I'll take the weekend. I'm just not gonna, you know, take yeah. I'm gonna take every uh, ESP thought with a grain of salt. All right. So all right. All right. This is fun. Good show, yeah. Hey, thanks to everybody who's listening. Thanks to Craig on the ones and twos. 
Shout out to Cherry Hill, Bad Sports City. And uh, we'll be back next Tuesday to talk to you. Have a good weekend.